All right, I want to send a big shout out to um, Badge Caps. They've sponsored this episode. Uh, Badge Caps are a local company. They make these hats, and there's these little metal cutout badges. They use, I'm probably going to butcher this, but like a laser cutter to cut out your badges. They can do logos. They can do all kinds of really cool detailed cutouts to put on your hat. Uh, they're a really cool new company in Paris, Texas, so go check them out, badgecap.com. And uh, you can order your own branded badge caps. I actually wear one almost daily uh, for a company I work with, and and it's definitely a really cool cap. So go check them out, Badge Caps. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Let's get this podcast started. Welcome to another Paris, Texas, a podcast. This is a podcast where you get to listen to people's stories, people that have either influenced or lived in the city of Paris, Texas. I love hearing their stories, and I can't wait for you to hear the next guest. All right, guys, welcome back. We have a the the first ever tallest person on my podcast uh david mons what's up dude what's going on bro how you doing i'm good how tall are you uh i am six nine but my wife she measured me with my shoes off <laughs> she says i'm six seven three quarters <laughs> so she makes a big deal of how short i am but i tell her all the time i never play basketball with my shoes off so therefore i'm six nine six nine six nine I, I, we just had a conversation. You walk in about how you have to duck pretty much every building you go into. Yes, I have to be conscious every time. Like most people looking for, you know, to greet people, I look for doorways. <laughs> so that's the first thing I keep my eyes on because I have a small callus on the left side of my head from hitting from, from hitting doors and you know railings and oh. ceiling fans and lights. So. Yeah, it's pretty tough on a tall guy sometimes. I would hate to see you in a submarine. Oh, no. I'm claustrophobic anyway. That'll never work, ever. You already see me on the elevator, dude. Oh, man. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. Oh. Oh, one time I was on the elevator and it just stopped and I just like went to a straight panic attack. Oh, Breathe heavy and sweaty. And You're like, I'll take the stairs. It only stopped for 30 seconds, but you know, I thought my life was over. <laughs> so I got to be cautious. You're like, stairs are a better workout anyway. Anyway, why not? Yeah. Uh, unless you start hitting the stairs with your no, head. I, I, like I said, I have a good radar. I know how to scope. Like just now, I just tested when I came through the door to make sure yeah. I could clear it. So, All right, David, where were you born? I was born in Georgia, down south Georgia boy. Awesome. Uh, making awesome. Warner Robins, Georgia, I was born in. It's the, like, the, I had like the third largest Air Force base. Okay. Uh, yeah, good old Georgia boy, man. All right. Did you go through all school there? Or did you move throughout school? Um, for the most part, yes. I want to stay with my dad in California, and then we moved to Florida for like two or three years. Okay. Then I moved okay. back to my mom and went back to Georgia, stayed in Georgia. Okay. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I was a Georgia boy all through high school. Awesome. What, so, I, I, I mean, I mean, I'm going to guess the answer to this, but what was your thing through school? Like, what was your favorite thing to do? <laughs> of course, you know, sports, of course. Awesome. I really enjoyed, uh. Fishing trips with my grandma. Really? Man. Oh, we would travel like state line to state line to go catch some fish. You know, that was one of my fondest memories. And um, yeah, just go to like like uh, hidden gym water holes. Yeah, or little water holes. We never got on the boat. Now we don't do that big dog stuff. stuff. Okay. Nah, we, we on the creek killing snakes with rocks and stuff. We don't. Okay. <laughs> we don't get on the water, but just going up and down the highway. You know, my grandmother, her 
best friends. Some of those conversations are hilarious. Two older ladies were talking. <laughs> that was social media before social media. Sounds like it made a good podcast. Oh man, <laughs> those two old ladies had us rolling in the back seat. But uh, that and going to uh, we had this water park we used to go to called Crystal Lake, uh-huh. which is kind of eerie because that's when Jason Voorhees was out. Okay. So, you know, Jason Ford, that's where he got all his revenge at Crystal yeah, Lake. Crystal Lake, that's so imagine right. Imagine all these kids going to Crystal Lake to this water slide park, but it was an amazing park. Uh, just a lot of fun in the summertime, you know. So, when did you first start playing basketball? Uh, I think I was playing in my mom's stomach with the umbilical cord or something. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into a little hoop with the umbilical cord and was shooting baskets, shooting little chicken noodles, chicken nuggets. But, uh, no, I started young. Um because in Georgia, we go by age. Okay. So, four or five year olds play against each other. And then six and seven, seven, and, I mean, eight and nine, that's how you play. So, so they always, I was, since I was four. So, was it all, so, they're always challenging you to be better by playing playing some, like, the fourth graders are always playing the fifth graders. Yeah, but that was age more. more oh, I mean, age. I mean, yeah, four-year-olds are always playing the five-year-olds. Five-year-olds, right. Okay, okay. But I actually was challenged because I had four older cousins. And dude, they would just beat the brakes off me, man, and oh, man. just pound me and just. They didn't hold me. back. They didn't hold back. And they I didn't was, let you win one. Never. And I mean, I remember times when my cousin used to play one on one to a hundred. You know, <laughs> street lights coming on. We at the park and we just going at it. You know? Do you still play them? Uh, no, I. Pl- they don't play me anymore. Oh, oh. When I came back from college, I shut all that down. It was just oh. he's not little anymore. He's, he's not. We can't beat him as like nah, we used to. He's not little Tay anymore. My nickname was Tay. He's not Tay anymore. He's he's a grown man now. So, oh. uh, but uh, it was a great experience just playing with my family a lot. They beat me up a lot. So, it, and in turn, made me a great basketball player. So. Awesome, awesome. All right. So, where did you graduate from high school? I graduated from a town, Macon, Georgia. Making Georgia, uh, uh, good old Otis Redding, and you know we've got a lot of musical giants down there. Uh, okay, Making Georgia has had about nineteen high schools. So nineteen high, in one town. One town. So we had eight private. I said not what eighteen. They got nineteen now, but at the time it was eight private and like nine public. Okay. So uh, I moved from Warner Robins to Macon, which is thirty minutes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mainly because I was a knucklehead, getting in trouble a lot. And, oh. uh, I wasn't the the good guy you see now. Is that something your cousins taught you too? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, sort of. Trying to, I tried to pay my own way, you know, hanging with the wrong people. My mom's oh, always man. told me. My mom's hey, guilty by association. You know, I was yeah. with the knuckleheads, thinking I was a tough guy. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, because, you know, I teach now. I, when, I, when I see these kids, I say, you know, by himself, this kid is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's that Wolfpack mentality. You get him with three or four of his buddies, and they're gonna shut the school down. Yeah, and that's what happened to me. And I got a lot of trouble, so my mom moved me. And plus, the town I was in was a football town. Like they won state championships, well, you know, like on a regular yeah. basis. So, Macon was more of a basketball town. So she moved me there, and um, you took some, It took some adjusting to get to the first year because it was much bigger, more okay. I don't know, distractions. Hustle and bustle. Yeah, but it was a blessing in the long run. Uh, I finally turned my life around. You thrived there? Yes, I did. I uh, had a lady who never gave up on me. Older, alt-right, George Bush, Donald Trump supporting lady, just, you know, deep south, just never gave up on me. Mm -hmm. You know, she was always on me. And this Donahue, and she just, she was my principal. Okay. And... She she believed in myself before I did. Of course, my family was there for me too. Right, obviously. But outside of my family, she really molded me and also my AAU coach. 
And they just instilled in me, hey, man, you could be great if you want to. It's up to you. Awesome. So she stayed on me, had me, you know, working hard on these SAT workshops and get my grades. And I finally got my grades together like I was supposed to. It, it was never, I couldn't do the work. I just wasn't doing it. Yeah. You know, I was just doing the wrong thing, not yeah. being in class, you know. Yeah. So I, it finally clicked. And um, so my senior year, I graduated from Macon, and that's when I got the scholarship offer. Well, I had a lot of scholarship offers. How, how many? <sighs> Too I'm many? Not, I'm not the arrogant type, man. I'm not okay. that guy. Okay, but a had, bunch. But I had shoe boxes. Okay. Something like that. Okay. And I wear a size 15 shoes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you can imagine the boxes. But the main thing was uh, a lot of schools was telling me I was too small. Too small? As far as weight-wise. Oh, okay. Because I was 6'8", six, 6'9", six, based on my wife, whoever telling the story. But I was 200 pounds. Okay. So they were like, oh, we're going to bring you out and put some weight on you. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to sit out in a red shirt, you know. So I ended up going to a prep school just to get more mass on me because I already qualified for mm-hmm. SATs and I was ready to go to college. But... This prep school was, was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine, like, so when they pitched us the idea, come do one more year, come down here, travel the country, play top-notch basketball, mm-hmm. we're build these apartments over here, and went down there and they showed us this, and this is where this is going to be. They had the beautiful layout. It was nothing but land there. So I'm like, how can they build all this in one, you know, five, six months? But it's always going to be done. So we go ahead and get qualified to go down there and we show up and it's a double wide trailer. <laughs> so we're like, what is going on? He's like, oh, it's just temporary, you know, until we get the building materials in and all this. So here I am in Ocala, Florida, in front of a cow pasture and it's a double wide trailer. <laughs> and you got like 10 dudes in there. We had bunk beds and it was not the great experience. Oh man. Every Monday we ate Popeye's. Every Tuesday was Chick-fil-A. Every Wednesday was Ryan's Buffet. Every Thursday was like, what was it, Thursdays? Don't say McDonald's. So every day it was the same thing the whole year. Same food, you know. And was so, that by design? Yeah, I don't, yeah, it was because of the sponsors and stuff. So. Yeah. But the great thing about it was the basketball. We did travel. And, I mean, we were traveling to Rhode Island and New York and Virginia and Do you like Kentucky. that kind of travel? Yes, for basketball, I hey, man, I traveled to the moon to play basketball. I mean, it was a great experience, you know. So That's awesome. As a high schooler, fresh out of school, I I traveled a lot, you know, which was great to see different cultures, different cities, and not have that city living mentality, just stay in one city. So it was a great experience for me. Um, after I left there, I finally decided I'm going to go ahead and settle down and go to college. Mm-hmm. So you know, just when you do all the little recruiting phase and all the coaches come in and, you know, roll out the red carpet and, my thing was uh, when I went to schools to visit, my main thing was looking at the players, how the college players interact with each other. Mm-hmm. If you had guys over here doing their own thing or this group going to a party or this group staying home, it was, or you talked to the guys and they talked about each other, you kind of know as far as the chemistry, that wasn't a good school. Mm-hmm. So what made me choose Oklahoma State, which is why I'm in this region, was the family-oriented how how sync the team was like mm-hmm. the chemistry was amazing that was true a true brotherhood like they really cared about each other it's awesome so i knew and my mom knew and then she, what so my mom was oklahoma state graduation rate was like 95 percent for basketball players so That's that good. coach believed in and my mom also believed in that she's always telling me you know 
What's your plan B? What if you break your leg tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I used to get mad when she used to say that. Mom, come on, don't jinx me. She said, no, what you going to do? If you break your leg tomorrow and basketball's over, what's your plan B? So that was my all in all for Oklahoma State. So, so what did you go to school? Like, what was the education? Like, what was your major for school? I majored in psychology. Okay. So I was a psych guy. I wanted to do forensic psychology. Oh. But they didn't offer that at, at- Oklahoma State. Okay. And plus, I had to get a BA. I couldn't get a BS because coach wouldn't allow me to take labs. <laughs> He's like, don't forget why we brought you to school. We didn't bring you to school to be some kind of deanless eight on a row guy. We brought you to play basketball. So my labs were doing th- were at three o'clock. Okay. Right during team practice. Okay. So I went to lab like two days. The coach was like, "Where have you been?" You're like, "I said, coach, I was in class and I had a lab." He's like, "Uh, yeah, we're gonna get that fixed <laughs> quick." So. Therefore, I have a BA, not a BS. So, but okay. I have a BA in uh, psychology, bachelor of arts. So. Awesome. And that and that's something you like. Oh, I love it. You know, just the study of the brain and mind, how things work. Also, I, I also look at right now. I'm teaching kids with disabilities, autism. You know, and my, what really brought me to it was, I don't know, I don't know if I should say this or not, but the mind of a serial killer or those people, how they, oh. what makes them. Tick. tick yeah i was intrigued about what made them tick and then you go back and look at the studies about a lot of them had father issues you know mother issues so a lot of environmental factors yeah that's what i believe my wife finds that very fascinating she watches a lot of those uh documentaries yeah, about that um as well i don't think there's anything wrong with that being fascinating to it's, people it, i want to say the word fascinating i just want to know that that, that tick because you get one child here and have a child here and this kid just Goes completely left. What yeah. what causes that? Yeah, and me, I argue intriguing. It's intriguing, right? There you go. That's a better word. I like that word, intriguing. And me, I guess I'm back to environmental factors of what yeah. causes it. You know, and people argue, uh, they were born that way. I don't, I don't get into the whole born that way, because if you raise a kid, say you get two kids out of orphanage, you know, mm-hmm. you put one in a loving family, you know, they're taken care of and they really loved and have a. Uh, Thriving relationship with their parents, I think that kid will be okay. Now you mm-hmm. take that another kid and put them in an environment where dad's an alcoholic or the environment around them is bad for a drug infested neighborhood. Then you know the outcome of the product could be you know so different, very different, definitely. Um, all right, so but you so you continued with your scholarship through all of uh, uh, college ball. And since we're in March Madness, you know that was a big thing. Uh, my freshman year went to the Final Four. Okay, which is big time. Big time. Only four teams left, dude. That's big time. So, That's big time. Freshman year, I went to the Final Four, which was an amazing experience. It was, like, unbelievable. Uh, we lost on a layup, dude. No, A layup, bro. Like, it was against uh, Georgia Tech. This kid named Will Bynum. And it was crazy because I talked to him about the game. The coach asked them, what do you want to do for the last play? Like, we want to go to ISO to Will. Like, what coach asked their players what they want to do, you know? So, Coach, hey, let's give him the ball. Let's do what you got to do. He ISOed at top of the key and got a layup and won the game. So, we didn't go play in the national championship game against UConn. On a layup. On a layup. Don't get me started on that, man. <laughs> okay. Don't bring back memories, man. That, that just. And then my sophomore year, we went to the Sweet 16, okay. which is also big time. You know, we – my first two years in college was amazing, man. You know, awesome. I had a great coach, Eddie Sons, Hall of Famer. Had like four or five guys on my team that played in the NBA, you know. So it was a great experience. Good experience. That's so awesome. My last two years, uh, 
we had coaching changes and they brought in some guys that wasn't fully invested. And we went NIT the last two years, which basically okay. means not in tournament. <laughs> that was an acronym we used, but basically, it's, I think it's the National Invitational Tournament or something. Oh, wow. But we just said not in tournament. Not basically. in tournament. You, you suck. You're terrible. Um, and that was my college career as far as basketball wise. My first two years was awesome. Second two years, I was more of a veteran guy. Yeah. And I could tell the change in the players. It wasn't the same. There wasn't that camaraderie that was it there. Wasn't, that's, my, my, my freshman, sophomore year, we always went to the bowling alley together. We went out to eat together after practice. I remember times we were getting a fight in practice and shake hands right after. Yeah. It's like like brothers. You know, it's over with, man. Okay, you yeah. got me. You ever open my face. We got, we got it out the way. Yeah. And my junior senior, you're getting a fight, man. Them guys trying to fight you in the park, man. They want to fight you. In the, I'm like, it's not that serious. It's just yeah. it's competitive just, basketball. Yeah. And – like I said, I was more the the veteran, and it's a different generation. It's a, yeah. I think that was the, the millennials coming in, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. What yeah. it was, but it's just they seem entitled. They didn't mm. want to put in the work. You know, we put in the work every day. Those guys that came in wanted it right then and right now. It, yeah. it doesn't work you that way. You see a lot of that. And that yeah. In basketball, outside I think of it basketball. started with those participation trophies. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what really happened, man. That kills me. Speaking of, my daughter, man, she played soccer this year. And, dude, it was terrible. But, like, we, we wasn't good. I know it was first-year players, you know. Yeah. And I'm competitive. I kept up score. I kept the record. And she's five, you know. I'm really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious about it. And afterwards, they all got trophies. And they're taking pictures. My daughter said, Daddy, Daddy, we won. We won. We got a trophy. I said, No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, but I got a trophy, though, Dad. I said, Baby, all everybody gets a trophy now. I said, you, you did great this year. You played hard. You tried. But you guys were not the champions. The green team was the champion. The green team. <laughs> and she said, Oh, Dad. I said, It'll be okay. We'll get better next, next year. year. Next year. Always next year. So Get drafted to the green team. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of uh, bribery going on in these little <laughs> leagues. Man. These teams are stacked these days. So, man. I've, I've seen that. Oh, man. It's ridiculous. I played in a basketball league this year, too. It was like. We can't get the ball past half court. So what is this? That's crazy. I guess all about who you know, man. <laughs> all about who you know. Get a scholarship to play in certain teams. All right, so you graduated from college. Graduated from college. And so what was, was there a game plan from there, or did something happen that, that – I knew I wanted to play professional basketball. I wanted to play in the NBA like everybody, you mm-hmm. know. And I got my shot later, and I blew it. <laughs> but I had my shot to play in the NBA. But right afterwards – I want to play in this league, man. Some breaking dink semi-pro league for free just to get some film. Yeah. And I actually did good. And then I got called up to play in this other league. was called the WBA. Then I went to the – what league I go to after that? I don't remember. Some league. But they were paying me $300 a week. Hey, that was big time for me. Yeah. Fresh out of college? Come on, man. 300 bucks. You couldn't tell me nothing. Mm-mm. But I had to send like 250 home to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, you know, my wife was pregnant with my son at the time. And we were freshly married, you know. Speaking of, I was so poor. Do you know my wife had to buy her own rating ring with her own credit no. card? Yes, bro. It was terrible. Oh. I was going to wait. And I want to get her this big fancy wedding. I should have married her like four years prior when I was in college. But I was mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to get her this big wedding. I'm going to wait. 
And it didn't come, man. I came out of college and life just slapped me in the face. Like, here you go, dude. This is yeah. real life. So those 300 bucks, I couldn't do nothing. So we put her cre- her, her, her ring on her credit card, dude. Oh, she picked man. it out. Then she handed it to me. Then I proposed to her. Like, could you imagine? Like, your daughter married a guy like me. Well, she by her own. <laughs> but she seen something in me, man. That's Yeah, that's true. And we, and, and she I, had to. And I took her to the courthouse, dude. Like, come on, man. I felt so, like, at that point in my life, I felt like I failed. You know, the woman of my dreams, my wife. How many years has it been now? We've been married, uh, this year's 11 years. 11 years. Wow, I'm, this year will be my 11th year. Hey, man. Right, right on, right on. Big time. But, uh, yeah, man, she. You should give her a wedding at, like. 15 or something I, I, I was supposed to give her A big one at 10 You know Take yeah. her to Hawaii And all those great things and, Ah man I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get back On the ball 15 15 We'll do 15 15 Yeah we'll do 15 But she's She's been amazing man She's awesome. my best friend You know so When I left college Playing these little Ringy dink leagues Then I got a Offer to go play in Turkey Izmir Turkey Wow Yeah man It was a big time deal and To I was, travel to the next game yeah, to go that moved up the level. Yeah, know? so now I'm making four thousand a month. Okay, and traveling to cool yeah, places. Come on now, you yeah, three hundred bucks. Hey, I thought I was rich. That life hit me again in the face. But I went to Izmir, Turkey, and Izmir was beautiful, man. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I was scared out of my mind when I first got on the flight because you gotta think about a little kid from Georgia moved to Oklahoma to play basketball. Now I'm going to Turkey. I had to Google it to see. <laughs> <laughs> where where is Turkey? Well, where is Izmir? I, I kind of knew it. I heard of Turkey, but where is Turkey neighboring? What's the neighboring country? Yeah. What's going on? Because you know you hear about the France and the Germanies and mm-hmm. stuff, but you don't hear about like Turkey being a place to go. No, and it wasn't Istanbul. It was Izmir. So Turkey was a my first year out away from family that far was. It taught me a lot about myself. Did your wife go with you? No. Oh, she never goes. When and you I, had a son, I had a son. And I told her I was going to come back and, you know, be there for the, because she was pregnant. I was going to be there for the delivery. I'm making, I'm coming back, man. I'm coming back, you know. And I Googled that ticket to go home last minute. And it said 4000 bucks, And I had $4,000 as my first paycheck. I had to make a business decision for the family. <laughs> oh, man. I felt bad, so I ended up staying. And they didn't have FaceTime back no, then. No, we did, man. We had Skype, though. Skype okay. was okay. Okay. Skype, but I, it, it wasn't in the delivery room or nothing. No. So I missed my son's That's tough, birth, man. bro. That was tough. And I made a promise to my wife I would come back. So mm-hmm. I never made a promise after that ever again. I never made a promise. So, so I couldn't keep that one. Yeah. And that hurt me. To this, to this day, it still hurts me. Yeah. I didn't make it. And always, too, when I always go to a country, I always go first. Before Then I send for my wife and kids because I don't want to just go put us in an environment where it's like, what in the world? No yeah. running water, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Unknown. Unknown places. Yeah. You know, sheep and cows. Double and wide. Dogs and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So Turkey was great. Um, I did Turkey for like four months. Okay. Then I got another offer in the middle of the season to go to um, Germany. Okay. But Turkey was different because I had to have a translator everywhere I went. And when you first go overseas, uh, you eat their food, the bacteria is different. Mm-hmm. So it adjusts to your body different. Yep. So I was eating stuff and that wasn't regulatory for my body. And my body wasn't responding well. So I had to go to the doctor. Normally, they give you a pill because you're American. You come over, they give you a pill. Hey, take this pill to help. Boom, boom, boom. 
So I went to the doctor. Hey, yo, doc. To the translator. Hey, man, to the doc. Give me the pill. And blah, 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 blah. And doc's like, no, we don't do that. I said, like, what do you mean? I need a sample. That's what you mean. You need a sample. You're like, you need a sample of my poop. Like, <laughs> dude gave me a cup. <laughs> gave me a cup. and said, hey, go give me oh. a sample. Go scoop it. And I got to look under a microscope and see what the bacteria is. I just walked out of the office, dude. Like, you know what? Don't even worry about it, man. It's not that serious to me. <laughs> My stomach will adapt. <laughs> it took about that three months. I finally adapted, but I'm not going to scoop up some poop and give it to you so you can look <laughs> under the microscope. But I left Turkey. And my translator was in there. He was a great guy, but mm-hmm. it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Because I always tell people when I go to a, every country I ever go to, I always try to embrace their culture. Yeah. And so I indulge myself in their way of living. Was it beautiful there? I've never been to Turkey. Turkey is beautiful. Izmir was basically surrounded by the sea. So you took ferries everywhere to okay. get to the other side of the, you know, the island. And it was beautiful. The food was amazing. This is what got me about Turkey, man. This is To this day, I'm still upset. So I go to the movie theater in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Okay, watch this movie called The Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's a big time deal with Jamie Foxx and all this. They're going overseas, do some kind of. I like those CIA operation type movies, you mm-hmm. know. Like last night, I watched The Fugitive. The Fugitive with yeah, those you know, keep you guessing type movies. So I'm in the movie theater watching the movie, and the movie just cuts off, and halfway through the movie, I'm like, "What is going on?" And everybody gets up and walk out. I, Are you kidding me? I didn't use those words, but you know. Right, what I'm happened? I'm upset, you know. Pay every, those seven bucks don't come easy. So I'm walking down the street, I'm mad. I'm like, how in the world can they watch half a movie over here? This place is all jacked up, you know. I'm upset. I go home, and I see my teammates, they're coming down the street. And I let them have it. Because every team, you know, at least have one or two guys that can speak good English. Yeah. And you have, of course, the rest of the guys, they don't really speak that well, so... So I told the guy, I said, man, you jacked up country, man. You guys watch half the movie and cut off on me. And they, they are dying laughing at me right now. I'm like, what's so funny? What's funny, dude? He was like, Mons. He said, David, that was a smoke break. <laughs> they cut the movie off halfway. Like so, an intermission. Intermission. People go outside, smoke their cigarettes. In the and mall. They, and then come back. And they come back within 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my. They have their tea and cigarettes. Oh, so the crazy. next time, I, I didn't believe it was real. I said, there's no way. So <laughs> I go back next weekend, catch another movie. Sure enough, intermission comes, cuts it off. And I go outside to look, too. They're sitting there smoking their cigarettes. And then they come back in. And they come back in, the movie <laughs> cut back on. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, that's some some adapting to get used to with that. Never heard of that. Ever in life. No. And you get to over there at the time they let you smoke within within the mall, within the restaurant. So it was cigarette smoke everywhere. Everywhere. So I, that that killed me, you know. So I left and went to Germany. Okay. After about four months. And I was like, yeah, I gotta go to Germany. So I, Germany offered me some more money and I said, Okay, I'll come play in Germany. Germany was great. I was in Göttingen, which is about the hour and a half, hour and a half south of uh, Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. So then I sent for my wife and kid. So, all right, babe, coast is clear. You can come. <laughs> they played the movies right here. All right, they played the whole movie all the way through. Oh. So Germany was great. Okay, uh, the food was amazing. Uh, the people are amazing. Uh, they have these bathhouses. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be cautious when you're going there because yeah. Germany, they don't... One thing about overseas, the the 
far as nudity and all that, mm-hmm. it's not like a taboo. It's like it's here. This is us. Mm-hmm. So you sit on billboards everywhere. So you go in there, man, and it's different. But I like it kind of similar fact. It's not like shot hiding and sheltering. Like mm-hmm. don't look. Because when you tell a kid not to look, what's it going to do? They're going to look. look. So yeah. the one thing about overseas, they, they put it all in the open. So yeah. it's not, you know. And the bathhouse was great. You had the salt salt pools and the saunas mm-hmm. and the jacuzzi. So it was like a thing to do over there. Like on the end of the week, it was cheap. So at the end of the week, all the families go in there, you know, go to the hot tub. And you just go in there and relax and enjoy life. You yeah. Know? So it was great. Germany was that was 2007. I'm sure after a week of basketball practice, of oh, hot yeah. tub was nice. Oh, cold tub for sure. We definitely get in the cold tub or ice baths. Oh, ice, ice baths will get you right. Most people don't like doing ice baths, but it rejuvenates your body and brings it back. Awesome. Like it's, it's the first two minutes, you're not gonna feel anything. It's gonna be crucial, and after that, you don't feel nothing. You know, you go waist below. So <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, how how long were you in Germany? I was in Germany six months. Six months. And I came home from Germany, and then what did I do? Two thousand seven. What did I go after Germany? Two thousand eight. Oh, did Germany? Then I went to the developmental league, NBA D League, which is like the farm team underneath the NBA. Okay. It's almost like you know minor league baseball, mm-hmm. but it's the minor league basketball. So okay. I did that. Made peanuts. Went to Albuquerque, me and my wife and kid. Okay. Went to Albuquerque for like seven, eight months. So what's the perk to doing like the minor league basketball? I had no perks, man. No perks. <laughs> you get to play. You just get to play, man. I mean, well, it is a perk. It's the fact that you're supposed to have NBA scouts coming to the games. Yeah. But most of the time when they do come to the game, it's because they sent the player down from the NBA. Oh. To the forum teams where they come in to watch that guy, and you just hope that the day you play that team that that guy's playing, so you know Scott's gonna be in the gym, so you kick his butt. <laughs> you destroy that guy. They go, hey, who's that guy that's kicking all guys? butt? you know, yeah. we want to sign him. So, Dealey was fun. Was but, but it's fun as far as you got all these guys trying to make one goal just to get the call up. The call up is basically an NBA team see you playing. Hey, dude, we like you for ten days. Want you to come play for us for fifty thousand dollars for ten days? Hey, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's not peanuts. That's no, not peanuts at all. No, so you do have like one stake and like ten lions out there trying to get that one stake. You know, yeah. So it was pretty competitive basketball. It was fun. I mean, the travel sucked because you had to do those four a.m. flights out of Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, if I said that right, yeah, Des Moines, Iowa. Like yeah. those little small places, four o'clock. Commercial flights flying to this place to play that day, that night. There's no first class. The buses are long, you know. So it was a hustle and bustle, but I loved it. Uh, Where the was the camaraderie? Camaraderie there? Oh yeah, it was there. It was that, there. That, that was another close group I had. Um, that D League group was very. We still talk to this day. It was very special mm-hmm. uh, because normally we get an environment like that. You can have a tendency to be selfish mm-hmm. because you're trying to get that NBA call up. You want to be the next guy. That steak. Yeah, so you got that one ball, which is the steak. And if I put the ball in the hole more than you do, I'm more likely to get a call up. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you got to share the ball. And some guys, you know, they would jack up a few extra shots when they were supposed to. But that's part of the game. It's sad. Yeah. But, you know, but uh, we had a great group, man. Like I said, it's back to that off the court. Mm-hmm. 
chemistry. Like you have to be together on the court, but what separates teams is what they do off the court. Yeah, are you together off the court? You can be competitive on the court, but yeah. like be be friends off the court. Yeah, we're very friendly. Yeah, I, I've been on some teams where as soon as I left the court, I didn't want to see you to the next day. Yeah, it's, I, I've been around teams like that, and it's not good. It's not fun. Um, it's hard on me. It's hard on my wife because I got to come home with the garbage. Yeah, but I don't bring it in the house. I had a rule where no matter what kind of practice I had or day I had, I left it in the car. Yeah. So she would see me outside in the car for 10 minutes. She'll know, okay, don't bother him. You know, he, he's, he's leaving guy. it there. He's leaving it right there. And now I come in the house and I let it go. I never brought basketball home. Except for one year I did. And it wasn't good for me. wasn't good. You no, know, because my wife was not having it. <laughs> so I left there, uh, D-League. Went to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Play so basketball. You, so another like uh, overseas, not overseas. Uh, well. It's like a... Man, it's like basketball when you're trying to make it. I was a, I was what they called a journeyman. So I was just trying to find a way to survive and yeah. make a name for myself at the same time, provide for my family. I'm the yeah. only source of income. So yeah. if, as soon as D-League was over, you didn't make that much money. Puerto Rico throws you some good money for two months to come through to get you through the summer. Mm-hmm. So I had to go do it. I was just like, you got, if I got a phone call from my agent, you know, I had an agent. I had like six agents. I, I fired them <laughs> quick, dude. If I didn't have an offer by August, dude, you was out of there. You was gone. Yeah. Because now my wife looked at me in my face like, what are we going to do? Yeah. You know, so nothing against my agents. I never didn't want the buddy-buddy relationship with my agent because at the end of the day, it's a business, and I got my family to feed. So yeah, sure. Don't call me talking about, hey, I got offers. Oh, no, no, no. I need a contract in my email. In my email. <laughs> Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, because you get nervous. So yeah. my agent sent me to Puerto Rico and- I did Puerto Rico. How long were you in Puerto Rico? I did Puerto Rico about about six weeks. Okay. Puerto Rico cutthroat. So they they don't fall under the rules of FIBA and all those rules. Well, FIBA says you just can't cut somebody just because you don't like them. Yeah. And you have to pay that person. Puerto Rico is not like that. No. Uh, Puerto Rico come to your door. Your plane ticket, your flight leaves in three hours. So <laughs> thank you to, for everything. Thank you for everything. It was so cutthroat that they flew me in, man. And they had me in a hotel because they knew they was going to cut this guy and they didn't want to tell him yet. But they had already flew me to Puerto Rico. I didn't know that. When I got there, I realized that this guy's still playing. He don't even know. He don't even know, bro. It was sad. I just, I knew, that's how I knew cutthroat the business was, you know. Was, this guy's out there on the court playing right now, just enjoying his life and not knowing that tomorrow he's going to be back in the States, you know. But I did Puerto Rico. I did great. And then, like I said, we lost. The thing about overseas teams Puerto Rico, Germany, Turkey. It's always the American fault. Yeah, because <laughs> they pay you the most money. You you more you better than mo- the domestic players. Yeah, whatever country you go to, so you can have forty points and lose, and it's your fault. You know, so no matter they don't see the fact that the, the, the domestic guys done missed ten three pointers the last week. You know, <laughs> missed ten layups and smoking cigarettes in the showers. But it's my fault we lost. Yeah, so it was pretty tough. Uh, so I got out of Puerto Rico and I got a opportunity to go play in Las Vegas in the Summer League, NBA Summer League. Okay. That's big time. That, that, that sounds big time. That sounds big time, man. That's like all the scouts go down to Vegas and you got all these NBA scouts and teams are there and you're playing for – so my team was the Lakers. Okay. I played on their, their little summer team. So what you did, I flew out to L.A. and you had to try out. It was like 20 of us. Five. It was going to cut five. So I was one of the 15 remaining. 
So you go to LA, you practice in their facilities, you get to use all their, you know, amenities and stuff. Oh, it was bet. amazing. It was great. Yeah. Uh, then we fly down to Vegas, and then you play in this like eleven day sort of tournament thing against other NBA teams. Yeah. We're bringing in guys who they want to get a good look at. Like it's normally like the, the uh, draft picks. So like Russell Westbrook and all those guys play in it when they first get drafted. KD. I played against Harden and all those guys. Played against Blake Griffin when those guys first got drafted. So that's for them to really get a grounding on themselves. So right. Um, that was a blessing for me because I actually did well in the tournament. Because what they do, the guy they draft, the Lakers draft, they're going to play him in that tournament. And the guy they drafted was a post player, which basically means he's going to get all the playing time. So, well, it worked out for me because the first game, um, it was 15 guys. You know, you got a coach trying to get everybody playing time. And it was by halftime, dude. He hadn't put me in yet. And I was on the bench with tears in my eyes, like, basically about to cry. Because, like, here I am, my opportunity to try to make it. I'm not even getting on the court. I'm not even on the floor. You got all these NBA scouts in the stands looking at you, watching you. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, I was so hurt. Like, I never felt that feeling before in my life. It's know? like defeat. Defeat, yes. Defeat. And coming back in from halftime, you know, coming in to start the third quarter. I'm walking over there like, oh, man, you know. And he goes, hey, Mons, I forgot about you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> Because you got to realize, somebody, I'm not the tallest guy, so he probably did, didn't see me because yeah. seven-footers out there playing with me. Oh, I forgot about you, man. You start third quarter. Matter of fact, we're going to give you the ball in the first play. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right, let's go. They gave me the ball, and I scored. So the thing with basketball is it's called feed the horse. If the horse is working, you feed him. So if I score, the rule of thumb is get him the ball. Next play, I get the ball again. So you can score again. So I score again. So that – Gets the snowball effect, and might end up scoring like 17 points in the second half alone. So now everybody's looking around like, who is that guy? So the next game come, I, and then I just – the confidence was there. All, I, all all what I have worked for for is like coming to a fold now. Yeah. Like, I'm here. So I start – my average like 15 points, eight rebounds, and only 13, 14 minutes. So that's very efficient. So I was doing very, very well. And I had scouts coming up to me after the games and, hey, we want you to come to our vet camp. Okay. So, once you, it's the process. Again, I say, so once you do D-League, you go to Summer League. You do well at Summer League, now is your chance to go to vet camp, which is to go with the big dogs, to go play with Kobe and all those guys. They're practicing because they're getting ready to start the season. Yeah. So, I get a lot of offers of NBA teams calling my agents and saying, hey, we want David to come in to try out, make the team, blah, 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 blah. So, I think I had about like 12 teams that offered me a chance to come in, and I chose the Lakers. And that's when I had my shot for the NBA. I went out to play for the Lakers for a couple months, and it didn't work out for me. What happened? You're not going to believe what they told me when they brought me in to cut me. The coach told me I was too short. Yeah. <laughs> Too short. Bill Jackson told me I was too short for his team. So I was 6'9". Most of those guys were 7 foot, 7'3", seven, 7'4". Seven, Said, man, we like your energy. You're a pretty good guy. You're too short, man. Sorry. Too short. So you got all the way there. All the way there. All the battling. All the hustling. And the sad thing about it, man, I was there when, and not 
And I bust my butt in practice, man. I was going at Kobe head, going at everybody. I didn't care. I had to chip on my shoulder. I didn't care who you were. But I did do one thing that I'm not I'm not happy about, cool about. So we out there practicing, man. This is for all the vets get in. And Kobe walks in the gym, man. And I froze up like a little baby, bro. Like, I just froze. Like, I've never been the one for starstruck, you know. I'm, I'm, I take pride in that, you know. Yeah. I don't care who you are. So what? You're on TV, you know. And that dude walked in the gym and I couldn't move. And I felt so embarrassed and ashamed of myself for being that type of guy. Yeah. To freeze up. How dare you freeze up? So. That was but there was just one time. Just one time. Never again. I don't care who shows up. I don't care. Now, with you, I freeze up sometimes when I see you. Cause I'm like, oh my God, it's Broadway. Man. No, no. Stop that. Bro, I'm like, that's Broadway. <laughs> stop it. Uh... When I see you at the church, I'm like, that's the guy with the beard in the in the. Bow tie. <laughs> uh, so Kobe. So you went head to head with Kobe. Well, just the team in general, just playing ball, just, just trying to compete, ball. man. Yeah, but not people get to say. Not a lot of people get to say that. Yeah, I got cut though, man. Got cut. But you still made it to the top. I tried. I tried. And then after that, I went overseas again. Went to France. Okay. So I did France four years. So okay. I'm, I'm technically Parisian. <laughs> or parasite. I would say I'm Parisian because you know I speak a little French. I lived in France for years, so I'm technically Parisian. So, was did you find that people, even though you got cut from the Lakers, did you find more people were still wanting to have you like play for them? Oh man, your resume explodes once you see once you put that on your resume. You play. I didn't say try out for Lakers. I put I play for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been I've been to your house. You have you you have a picture of you in a Lakers jersey. Yeah, I played a preseason game. So preseason, you know, I got pictures of live action photos of me playing ball. So yeah, they didn't know it was preseason. No. <laughs> you never tell them that. Yeah, I was out there. You got my Lakers jersey on playing. I got my little. You know, I played preseason, so I didn't make the season season. But hey, I put it on my resume. So was this French still? Was it a pretty good? France is okay, Lee. I like France because France pays you your money on time. <laughs> <laughs> was it peanuts or was it good money? That's good money. I'm good moving money. up the ladder now. I got Lakers on my resume. Yeah, you're moving up the ladder. You got to bring some pork chops now. No peanuts. Well, how on board was your wife going to France? Oh, she was all the way in. <laughs> like, let's go. She was packed before I ever told her where we was going. What city? She was out. We're going. So she was ready to go. And we went to France, man. It was beautiful. That's probably the most beautiful country in my life. And my son was actually like two. So his first language kind of sort of was French. Does he still speak it? Uh, he lost Can it. Can you he, speak it? Yeah, I speak a little bit. Give me, st- give me a phrase. Um, uh, je m'appelle David Mons. Uh, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I could say uh, stuff like, je marie pour dix ans, je deux enfants, deux ans et cinq ans, Ariel and David. Uh, Jed from Georgie. Uh, basically saying, I have two kids. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Georgia. Basically, you know, the small talk. Basics, yeah. Yeah. French is, I learned it because uh, I want to know what the guy was talking about me or not in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn it, man, because, you know, like I said, once again, too, once you're, like every country I go to, I try and embrace their culture. Yeah. Which I learn their language. But when I went to Germany, I didn't give that a shot. That was like you had to speak. When I went to Greece. I lived, went to Greece. Also lived in Turkey. Like those languages, you got to have a lot of spit in your throat. Sounds like it's like you're hawking. 
like Greek is like like all that I couldn't do that yeah nah but French is a beautiful beautiful language so awesome we lived in France four years is we lived in four, uh, four four wow so you stayed there for a bit yeah, it was a great country because I I didn't want to move on we did Greece Greece was my wife's favorite country because we was on an island. So it wasn't like mainland Greece was like Athens. Most okay. of these countries become Americanized. Mm-hmm. So I, we don't we don't like those countries. We like those authentic backwoods French, you know, barely have running water type, you know. But we lived in a small town called Bougainbrist, which was outside a town called Lyon, and we loved it. Awesome. We, now we don't like the Paris France and the like we went to Venice and we don't like those places. The touristy spots. No, we don't like those. We like the authentic. Authentic. Give me the real deal, French. Awesome. So, uh, France was amazing for us. My daughter was born in France. Okay. So, that was beautiful. Uh, I actually lost my job because of that. Because of your daughter? Or yeah, my daughter. Because my wife was pregnant and I kept telling them, hey, my wife is born. I'm not going to make any basketball games when she has the baby. I'm not missing another one. I'm not missing another Exactly. It's right on point. I'm like, dude. I'm going to get it right this time. Right. And sure enough, we had a couple scares the last three games. They was rushing me back after the game. And this last home game, she said, baby, this is it. And remind you, we had a game that day. It's always on a Saturday she had to have the baby. Yeah. We play on Saturdays over there. So it was like, yep, here it comes. Let's go. And sure enough, here we are in a foreign country. I'm not going to leave my wife. About to leave my wife Hanging, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a hospital. With my brand new baby boy, baby daughter, you know, and my son to go play some basketball. Like you said, I'm not gonna mess up this time. So yeah, I went to the delivery. My wife was a beast, man. She had a baby's natural. She don't do the epidural, so I'm in there three hours. Like she knocks him out. Like she don't play around. So man, that was the most beautiful experience I think in my life when I was in there with my wife and my my daughter, and uh, the lady said. Would you like to hold your daughter? And not just bald, dude, like a baby. Like, yeah. it was like, here I'm six now, big dude, solid. You know, I'm a pretty stout guy. And they're weeping like a little baby, but it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Another thing I had to do, well, you know the big rule is, don't go look, you know. <laughs> me being me, I got to go look, man. I got to see what everybody say you don't look for. So, yeah. Um, Remind you, this is my defense before I tell you the rest of the story. She wake me up at four in the morning, three in the morning. I haven't ate anything, okay. So mm-hmm. that's my that's my disclaimer. Okay. So she goes and had a baby by five or six. Aria comes out, blah blah. And in go, the morning. In the morning. Okay. Seven in the morning now. I think we're about seven in the morning. I haven't ate anything since the prior evening. So I go look, and immediately, I immediately hit the floor. <laughs> like I just went down, dude. Like what did I just see? Like it was. And I went down All the nurses coming over They're like Are oh, you okay What's going on And I was on my one knee And I was like No I'm just praying I'm just, just <laughs> Play cool Play cool I had to play it. I had to think on my toes man Oh, uh, I'm just praying No I'm okay And I get back up I'm like wow what do I do? Why would I do that You know and The doctor said Well I told you Don't go Look David David you don't listen You know So, <laughs> so we're just friends That was our beautiful story Awesome so my, Just have seen my daughter born Bro it was just amazing like, that's amazing. That's top five. All right, so you left France. Yeah, I left France. And where'd you go? Um, France that was my last year. And then this is when David is getting older. 
My wife is tired of being a desperate housewife and she wants to do more in her life. Mm-hmm. So it's we got a decision to make about okay, I wanna keep playing ball, but you wanna stay home. And Davis what really got me sad was one time we came home from overseas and we went to Walmart because we always had to stock up for groceries. Mm-hmm. And we went to Walmart, man, and David was like, Daddy, Daddy, they speak in English. <laughs> like, he was so happy to hear English. Mm-hmm. And I knew in my head then, like, I can't keep dragging my family all over the world, you know, because I did China also. They didn't mm-hmm. go to China with me, but I did those places. I'm like, ah, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. Know? But I still got some youth in me. Yeah. So I tried to do a couple of years by myself alone, which is the worst thing I probably did. You should never be apart from your family that long. So no. My last year, I did a spiritual journey quest. I went to Saudi Arabia. Wow. Yeah. My last year, 2015. And you played? Played basketball. Saudi has some money, man. I'm not... I, you shouldn't do everything for the money, but that contract came in that email. Man, I had to take that. Yeah, but for most part, do I want I want to do it for spiritual reasons? Yeah, as far as you know, the whole Islam and the whole taboo of Muslims, and you know, mm-hmm. I just want to go see. I want to find out why. I'm not going to go off somebody's opinion or what they think. I'm in my own judgment. So yeah, I want to live in Saudi Arabia, man, Riyadh for six, seven months. Wow, and that was, was solo, solo. Oh, and I'm taking a wife because you that's. Can't take the wife and kids to do to uh, Saudi Arabia. Cause I took my kids to Dubai. That's cool. That that place is pretty cool. I haven't uh, been there, but it uh, looks. Dubai was. We went. We went to Dubai, and you know the women. They they don't have the rights of American women. Mm-hmm. You know, they're covered up. All you see, all all black. All you see is their eyes. So we take my son to Dubai for Christmas vacation, and. Everything is separate, you know. Men and women are two different classes, you know. So mm-hmm. we hit the market, man, and wish how different it is because my son, he was at th- two or three at the time, and we was in Dubai just trying different places, going to the beach, man. It was like mm-hmm. January. It was like eighty some degrees on the beach. They have an indoor ski resort because they don't because they're in the desert, so they don't yeah. flew in snow and created snow basically. Not flew it in, but you know they created yeah. their own snow. Right. So we hit the market and we going around the corner and. All these women sitting over in the market, you know, with all that black on, all you see is their eyes. And guess what a two-year-old David Moss decides to say? <laughs> oh, no, I can't even, I don't even know. <laughs> he said, Dad, look at all those ninjas over there. And, dude, do you realize, like, I almost lost it. And he was saying it loud. And he was decided because he was into ninjas at the time, you know. <laughs> and I was like, dude, what are you doing? I said, okay, okay, they ninjas, be quiet. <laughs> so just so we won't get beheaded over there, you know. But <laughs> that goes back to the show I'm saying for us. That's why I didn't take my wife to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Because the women had to walk. You get up to four wives over there, you know. Yeah. I told my wife, hey, look, man, think about it. One guy, one could clean, one cooks. <laughs> she almost, like, slapped the taste out of my body. <laughs> like, don't even think about it. But oh. Saudi Arabia was the greatest experience because I learned a lot about myself, you know, yeah. and about the culture and about their religion. Like, they really have to read the Bible over there, Islam and the Muslims. So, they really hate the fact that these terrorists are using Islam as a way to do that. Like, mm-hmm. the real people who believe in Islam, really, the real Muslims, they don't go for that terrorism stuff. So, it was a great experience. They pray five times a day, which I respect. And when they pray five times a day, is imagine a guy at, on every church singing the call of prayer. Mm-hmm. So, they shut down the city, like, 
All the restaurants close, buildings, everything stops. And you go to the mosque and pray or you pray where you are. It's five times a day. Dude, they pray during a basketball game. They stopped the game. Yeah. Here we are on an 8 0 run, finna finish the game. And the call to prayer came and they stopped the game. The dude went over there and prayed. And they came back out and they kicked our butts, dude. <laughs> it was a different experience, but Islam, but like I said about the praying. The first one off at like five in the morning. I'm like, look, I believe in God and all, but dude, I gotta get my sleep. I got a game today. Got a game today. <laughs> but they didn't care. So instead of rolling over, I got on my knees and started praying. You know, I didn't pray to Allah. You know, I got on my knees and started praying five times a day too. You know. Yeah. So it taught me. And another thing I respect about that culture too. They have to before they come to pray, they have to wash their hands, their feet, their mm-hmm. nasal cavity. Every before they come to God to pray, they have to clean themselves. So I respect that a lot. Yeah. So. But I didn't get used to the little I forgot the name for it. It's a fancy name. When you use the bathroom. Uh bidet? Yeah, one of those things. Dude, like <laughs> weird. On. Dude. Was, you have a little faucet that splash on your butt. Like, come on, dude. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, ah, just give me the tissue. I'll take the tissue. And then some of the places have like a little hole where you just go in there and I've been I, Beijing. You have? Yeah, there's just there's just a hole in the ground. Oh man. Did you That's dry it? it? Yeah, that's all there was. There was no options. No. Oh wow. No, we were at this uh, a camp. It was a leadership camp in Beijing, China. You took a squat, and I saw that. Yeah, I had to. <laughs> I had to go. I couldn't imagine that, man. I couldn't. No, that's a long way for me. Though. I'm six nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That that splash wouldn't be now. That'd be perfect. Ain't it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you did it your entire life, then yeah, you, I mean that's the way it works. You'd but be a perfect aimer. If you've never done it, <laughs> oh, it'd be like me trying to make a a, a shot from the three point line right, on the NBA be, on right. the NBA. That's field. true. I, I'm just of me trying to be a photographer. So yeah. I mean, uh, my shots would be off. <laughs> Everything's blurry. Oh, blurry. What's going on? Oh, it's just a new camera we have. Trying something different. But I did Saudi Arabia, so left Saudi Arabia, man. And that's when I decided I just walked away from the game. I just quit. Yep. I had five, six years left. I said, it's not worth my family. The money ain't worth it. So yeah. came home to Hugo for 10 months. Hugo. Oklahoma. My, Oklahoma. Wife, my wife's hometown is Hugo. Okay. So we retired to our hometown. And at the time, you know, I would go overseas for 10 months, come home two months. So Hugo wasn't bad for me because I could work out, small town. But to mm-hmm. live there, I told my wife, nah, I'm probably not going to be able to do it. So small town, yeah, man. And Tiny. she and she was in her community deep because you know she's well involved in her community because she's from Hugo. Mm-hmm. I said, babe, I can't do it. Sorry, I'm gonna be selfish. We are gonna go across the river <laughs> to Paris. We're going back to Paris. Yeah, we're going back to Paris. Well, just was funny, right? It's, I was like, God has a sense of humor, man. Yeah, a little from bit. Paris, France to Paris, Texas. There you go. So it's like, wow, how ironic. But uh, we did Paris. So I'm here and um, first job, man. I couldn't find a job. You couldn't find one. Couldn't find a job. That's because when you fill out your resume, you got twelve years of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a leader because I was a captain. <laughs> but what does it have to do with running these computer programs over here, or what does it have to do with you have no job experience? Yeah. That's what I kept hearing over and over and over. So I started subbing as a teacher, sixty dollars a day, like trying to make you know, yeah, trying to make a way for myself. I was running through my savings, all the little money I saved up, you know, I'm just running through that. I gotta get a job, you know, so 
by hearsay, I, my first job ever was a supervisor at a chicken plant. Could you imagine that, dude? Me with like a netted beard, bump cap, smock on. From Lakers NBA playing <laughs> to dumping chicken. Dumping chicken. <laughs> I was dumping chicken. Well, that was a supervisor. So. Okay, okay. Because that's why the degree comes in handy. Yeah, it does. So I didn't know nothing about chicken at all. Like, I'm just in here like this place. Do you eat chicken I was the same now? No, I'll have to get to that story in a minute. Okay. <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to ruin it for you. a lot of you listeners out there. One of these deals that you think you're getting. <laughs> well, I went to uh, Pilgrim Pride down here in uh, mm-hmm. Mount Pleasant. Yeah. I was driving from Hugo to Mount Pleasant every day. Oof. Dude, 3 p.m. So I had to leave Hugo by 12 to make it to work about 3-ish. I was getting off at like 1 in the morning driving back. I was getting back home at 4 in the morning, getting up mm. doing that for like 10 months straight. Mm-mm. Pass. <sighs> but me, I'm not a quitter, and I go back to that whole, you know, competitive nature of me. So I was over the chicken nugget line. So I had to run chicken nugget on second shift. So I had about 40 employees so I had to run over. So I had to uh, supervise. So I had about 20 in the front, 20 in the back. So the front is basically the chicken comes out, you make it, you put it in the batch, and it. It comes out this little machine that freezes it to like negative 40 degrees and then you bring it out and then it comes down a line and you stamp it to a chicken nugget form and then on the line you have these ladies on each side and they're taking off the, the form pieces that's not printed perfectly mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. circle so they throw those in the back side and they keep going then you have the guy who does the batter he throws the flour on it it's like two or three of those guys then it goes into the fryer and then behind the fryer, you have another three or four ladies who take out the bad pieces or burnt pieces. And then it goes up through this little freezer for 40 minutes. And then it drops out in the back. And you have the people in the back that's packing the chicken, like, into the bags, into the boxes. Mm-hmm. And they separate the good pieces and bad pieces, too. And they're boxing it up, pushing it down the line to the guys who's stacking it on the pallet. You stack the boxes, stack the boxes, and the next pallet coming in. So you do that all day long. And me... Being a supervisor, they wanted me to just stand back and point. You do this, you do that, you do that. I'm not that type of guy. I'm back to the team guy. So I'm on the line. I'm dumping chicken. I'm separating chicken. I'm stacking boxes. and Basically immersing myself immersing myself into the line, which I'm supposed to do. Because you're a supervisor. You're supposed to be the overseer. You know? Man. But that's why my line, I think, ran the best. Because, hey, you want to go to the bathroom? Go ahead and go. You give people 30-minute lunch breaks and only one water break. I heard one time they had people wearing diapers out there mm. back in the day. You can't use the bathroom. You know, some type of, that's foolery to me. So, with the chicken nugget line, for those of you who love these chicken nuggets, this 10 for 149 deal, this 20 piece for $2, come get this great deal for all of you out there. <laughs> About to ruin it for you and your little Happy Meal on the go. Well, basically, chicken nuggets are basically all the meat that we about to throw away, the spoiled, nasty meat that we no longer can use, but we have to use it because we can't throw away chicken because that's wasting money. Mm-hmm. So they take all the meat that's not good and the, the old chicken tenders that's about to go spoiled and all that stuff. And they put in this big blender and put onions on it to steal the taste from it and crunch it up into this little potty meat material looking like... Ugh. And they just ship it down the line That's why I tell people all the time When you look at a deal like that 
Like Burger King always shows that deal. I think ten dollars, ten nuggets for a dollar and fifty cent or something. Right, like, I always pay attention to those commercials because I was in it. So I'm like, okay. So think about packaging, shipping, labor. You have to pay all these employees to do all this, and it still gets to your house, to your hands for a dollar and forty nine cents. <laughs> Get what you pay for. <laughs> exactly. So I had to ruin it for everybody who loves chicken nuggets. So chicken tenders and wings and all that stuff. That's good quality meat down there. They, yeah, that's taken care of. Like I just seen an alert on my phone. Tyson recalls uh, sixty nine thousand pounds of chicken because potential metal. Oh. What happens is anything that happens, say because you have USDA walking through those plants, and USDA uh, they come in there with flashlight looking under tables like they want to be pristine. Like mm-hmm. these vents with condensation and all that stuff that they shut the whole line down. So if you get something like plastic in a chicken, where for instance somebody's ripping up a open up a spice bag. They rip it open and some of the plastic falls in the chicken. And it still goes down the line. You have to report it. But, yeah. You have to report it. And if you report it, you don't know when the, what the piece of chicken, I mean, piece of plastic, what time it went down or what happened on your line. So you, all the chicken you have made prior and after it has to go throw it away. So if you report plastic at 8 o'clock, you've been running for four hours. You're gonna throw all that chicken away, Ugh. and off a piece of plastic. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not like something that's had ch- a choke hazard, like. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just the quality of just saying, "Hey," or a piece of metal might fall off a a machine that goes in it, and so of course it shuts down the line. So you have to recall all that chicken. You, you lose that, you lose money. So yeah. it looks bad on the supervisor and everybody else. So you got to report it if you have to. Yeah. So. That experience led me to I couldn't do that for 10 months I did it for 10 months And then I came back And I decided I'm gonna uh, Teach mm-hmm. So now I, I've been teaching at Crockett for 3 years It's uh, awesome Life skills I love my field So I love being in school I love My calling is the youth So Yeah I just immerse myself into the kids man Me and my wife And then I know you and your wife also started your own Um uh, basketball league Yeah we started Monster Skills Academy We've seen basketball uh, In this town It's like Third fiddle Type to f- Softball Baseball Or mm-hmm. volleyball Football You know They fall behind those Sports I'm like This town needs basketball It's mm-hmm. a great town You know it's, uh, These kids are athletic I think the generation Is switching now Kids want to come outside Now a little bit more mm-hmm. Cause the Fortnite epidemic Is still going on But <laughs> Fortnite <laughs> But kids are trying to come out again. Mm-hmm. You have those ones who want to be outside and play and try mm-hmm. to, you know how we grew up. Like yeah. We didn't, we didn't come into the sun. No, we, yeah. I was outside playing tag or guns. Like or, my rule was don't let the street light catch you. you yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, that's how it was with you. Yeah. You know, we grew up outside. And I tell people, why are you so tall? I said, because I drunk out of the water hose <laughs> outside. outside. I didn't drink filtered water like you guys doing now. Brita filters and all that. So, but but just trying to get the kids back outside, just show them sports. Uh, it's a way. It's gonna be a tool mm-hmm. to get you a free education. Why yeah. not? Why not play sports and go to school, get a free education, do what you want to do? Because college is a rip off to me. It's, it's expensive, man. Mm-hmm. Overseas, I think college is four thousand dollars. Here, it's like and I can't. You're even. Still paying for it. <laughs> I told my wife, "Yeah, I'm. I might have to take your student loans to the grave because." Uh, it's just ridiculous how much you pay for student loans. Yeah, like that's by the time you look up, you you, you paying school student loans your whole life. 
Yeah. Then you gotta pay for your funeral costs. <laughs> it's like it's over with. It's crazy. So yeah, we started Monstar. It's a beautiful thing. So it's awesome. Four kids. Also started two travel teams this year. Well, I started a boys travel team last year. Okay. This year I just started me and my wife started a travel girls team, fifth and sixth grade. Just to get these kids out to travel different places, play ball, see yeah. different places, uh, take them to colleges. Yeah. I believe you have to you could tell a kid about college all day, but if you show a kid a college campus or show them you know, the life they can live. Yeah. It's a different experience. And and you get to show them, like, I think having someone, a guide like you saying, here's what you need to look for. Yeah. Like, you're looking for camaraderie. You're looking yeah. for, like, you don't want to, you don't want to go to the flashy-looking school just because no. it's flashy-looking. I tell parents all the time, I mean, I tell my wife, I mean, it's a sensitive subject, but it's about when your kids go off on their own. Like, it, college taught me how to raise my daughter and my kids. Like, I'm not going to let her just do anything, but I'm going to let her experience, you know, going out. Doing things mm-hmm. in high school, you know, of course, it's going to be supervised. But when you hold your kids on the lock and key all through their high school career and then send them off to college. That's rude awakening. That's a rude awakening. You know, we got the drugs and the parties and all the other stuff that, you know, yeah. that you shut them away from. So I think it's a good experience to get them out and just show them how. I'd rather them come home and be like, Dad, and feel comfortable enough to say, Dad, what is this? I don't. I, I, yeah. I saw this. I don't know what that means. Exactly. What is that? Exactly. And me be able to sit them down and say, Yeah. Here's what you saw. Yeah. Here's how you. Here's how we're gonna deal with that. You exactly. Know? Versus like, here, go to college and just <laughs> you're adult. <laughs> you grown. Figure it out. I'm a man. I'm forty. I'm forty. <laughs> hey, that was the Oklahoma State, man. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just the main thing, man. Just showing these kids the way. Yep, that's awesome. It's awesome. Well, okay, one one more question. Okay. Easy question. Well, some find it hard. What's your favorite place to go to in Paris, Texas? It can be anything you want. Favorite favorite place. Favorite place. It can be food. It can be court. It can be anything you want. I don't know if I can call it Paris, Texas, but it might be piratey ish. Okay. We like to go to Lake Mac- Pat Mays. Yeah. You're the second person to say that. We go out there, man, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a, I think I'm a grill master. A grill master. I'm a grill master. Okay. Like, okay. You eat my chicken and my ribs and my my food off the grill, dude. It's, this ain't no leftover chicken. No. This is a real deal. This chicken. is not that <laughs> chicken plant chicken, you know. <laughs> it's not chicken nuggets ten for forty one dollar forty nine cents. <laughs> it's here, man. It. Uh, It'll do something to your self-esteem. We eat my food, your self-esteem rises to a different level. Oh, wow. That's some big... Like, it gives you confidence. You can go conquer anything once you eat my food off the grill. Maybe you need to open a restaurant. <laughs> oh, no. We have too many arrogant people already. As <laughs> it is in Paris. <laughs> we have too many in Paris. We need to do that. Oh. We like to go to Pat Mays, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Go out there, grill, let the kids swim a little bit. Yeah. You know... Just have fun, listen to music. We'll stay out. We'll stay out there all day. That's awesome. Just to enjoy nature, cause yeah, Paris has some good places, but they do. We're more of a good family, be around each other type family. We yeah. Net, so I would say, I mean, it's Lamar County, so it's for sure. I mean, it's still Paris to me. Yeah. 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 So Pat Mays is our pick. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thanks so That's much. That's awesome man. to hear your story. I appreciate you having me, man. Thanks for what you're doing for this community. This, yeah. is, this is big time, man. I um, see you. I see, like I said, when I see you, man, I freeze up, man. Uh, it's, uh, it's Broadway. Stop it. <laughs>
Um, awesome, man. And I, I mean, I just love hearing. I mean, in your story of, of all of them, are just one of a kind, and everybody's story is one of a right, kind. Right, so right. it's just amazing to hear um, those stories. And I'm about so, to interview you, right? I've had there's I've got one where yeah, yeah uh, Claudia Farr and, and uh, Cody Head both interviewed me. Wow, I'm gonna have to go check that one it's, out. It's floating around out there. Man. Yep. Like I told my wife, I like your brand, man. You really. Take your brand to the next level, man. Thank you. I see that a lot. I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn a few tips from you for advertising and marketing. Yeah. Videos. I see how you're going, man. I like it. Love it. All right, guys. As always, we try to put a new one out every Monday. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Look forward for the next one. Uh, next Monday, you hear a new story. Once again, I want to send a huge shout-out to Badge Cap. Thank you so much for sponsoring this uh, this podcast. Um Again, guys, if you own a business or you have any kind of a, a brand that you want to put on a hat or on, you know, give give them a look. They do this really unique um, uh, cap that you can get with a uh, personalized badge on it. Uh, I, again, I wear I wear one like almost every day, uh, and we will see you guys next week.